you know, we want it to be that if you're at a dinner party, you know, you might say to the person sitting next to you, who's your family's naturopath? So we, our idea is that naturopathy becomes such the norm that everybody has a naturopath that they see. So we, we'd like our patients when they come to come for a period of time until they're well, and then that, you know, refer their family and friends in and then that in five years time if they get off track again they'll come back and see us so we talk about this concept of building your base so you're building a base of um, good quality clients that will continue to see you regularly refer people in and to do that you've got to as bums on seats a bit you've got to see a lot of new people to get enough good quality clients that are really then going to build your base and give you a good business to roll on from Welcome to the Metagenics Best Practice Podcast, Standing on the Shoulders of Giants, practitioner-to-practitioner conversations to inspire, mentor, and learn from. Hello, I'm Angela Carroll. Join me today as I speak with Peter Mullen. Peter Mullen is a very successful practitioner in Newcastle, and he is just celebrating his 30 years in practice, which is quite phenomenal in our industry. And Peter has built up a very big practice. He works with his wife who helps manage manage the practice. And we talk about what it means to be a full-time practitioner. We also discuss the history of our industry, what's uh, where his influences were, and also, very importantly, ways that practitioners can leave a legacy for the next generation. So have a listen in and get some insights into history and the future. Hello, everybody, and it's wonderful to be able to be here with Peter Mullen today. I'm Angela Carroll, and I'm talking to Peter about his history and his understanding of our industry and where he sees it going in the future. So I met Pete in 2004, as he was just really getting his, uh, he was getting his stride on in, in the industry. And uh, Pete, do you remember that, uh, that meeting? Yeah, I do. I do. It was, um, Dana and I, we'd had the business here for a few years, or we'd started the business and been going for a few years. And um, always in business, we've always looked to get coaches or business coaches along the way. And back in those days, the only coaches that were available to us were chiropractic based coaches. So there was nothing in our industry, there was no one doing any sort of um, um, seminars or training about how to run a naturopathic practice in Australia. So I think we first met when Metagenics brought the IPS model out from Canada. Um, so yeah, so that was our first introduction, but it was around that concept of how we can you know, improve our business even more. Mm, and uh, you really have been on a constant course of improvement. Every time I drop by into the clinic, there's something new going on. You've always got new staff. How many, how many staff do you have there? I think we have 15 at total, you know, between three other practitioners, um, our care assistants that run the front, op- front office, and then um, our ladies and Dana that do the marketing and, and the management of the whole place. So, yeah, about 15 in total. Well, and just, just to clarify for everybody there, Dana is your beautiful wife and she's also the big boss the lady in the clinic. <laughs> <laughs> she, is, she is the driving force in the clinic. And um, what's been a great model for us is Dana basically runs and manages everyone and everything. And then I get to do what I love, which is seeing patients 
and also um, training the other naturopaths here as well. So it's worked well for us having our definitely clearly defined areas of um, expertise. But it's definitely been a joint effort. We couldn't do what we do without the two of us, you know, sharing that load. Yeah, because uh, I think the, the emphasis on the word load there, because it is a lot for a single practitioner, isn't it, to just really try and manage everything and juggle different hats. Yeah, and for sure. And that's for a lot of a lot of naturopaths that come out from college. You know, really, they love being naturopaths. So if they, you know, some people just love being a naturopath. And if that's your forte, then make the most of that. You know, work in another clinic where a lot of the admin and the extra stuff is done for you or with you but um you know for those taking on the role of wanting to run their own business yeah there's a lot involved and um yeah definitely you need help basically Mm, there is a lot involved we might actually come back to that lot involved a little bit later and explore that a little bit more i think Uh, it's good for people to really understand what is involved yeah definitely definitely and for us it's been a lifelong involvement like our kids have been brought up hearing us talk about the business every night when we go home um, every time we do the, the office detox, you know, they're on board with that as well. Um, you know, and, and it's been such a big part of our life, but that's given us the lifestyle that we have today as well. So, mm. yeah, it's been so many positives. Yeah, that's great. And I, I remember we did a, a Facebook Live session a few weeks or a, few, a couple of months ago, actually, uh, and there's a comment that you made really stood out for me. And that was that you and Dana chose to go into the natural medicine industry so that you could have a successful career and earn a really good income, which uh, for a lot of practitioners, that's not the reason they go into this industry. Yeah, well, look, for, for us, it's always been the best of both worlds. Like we're so fortunate to be in a profession where we genuinely help other people and we love helping other people. And also we can have you know, earn a good income and live a good lifestyle as well. Like I want my kids to grow up seeing, you know, us being successful. So that's been important to us that yes, we're in a field that we love and we can make such a big difference to our patients' lives and that we can have a good living out of it as well and inspire other people. So I kind of, I kind of see that the two go hand in hand, you know, not one at the expense of the other. Like that's, that's been our experience anyway. So. Yeah, it's definitely, wouldn't say, you know, after knowing so many practitioners in the industry, I wouldn't say it's the general perception for a lot of practitioners. But then again, uh, if you're working on your own, and as you implied a little while, there's a lot involved in running your own business. So I did want to ask you a question, though. You've been 30 years in the industry, and I hear that you're having a 30-year celebration coming up. Yeah, next couple of months will be 30 years since I first started um, seeing patients as a naturopath. Well, it's three decades, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> and I hardly look a day over 30, so I, I must be doing something right. You, you, you're walking the talk, that's for sure. <laughs> um, um, but I did want to ask you, you know, because that was back in the mid-early 90s, actually, um, who were your influences? back in there, who were, who were the natural healthcare practitioners that you remember or looked up to or? Well, probably when, probably when I first started, like, um, yeah, probably my early influences were more some of my college um, lecturers. Mm. Um, I had a really great nutrition lecturer called Zandria Williams, who actually, I just got a message from on LinkedIn the other day, talk of um, 
glass from the past. Mm-hmm. And Andrea was a nutritionist. And the other um, big influence at the time was Nancy Backham. So she was my herbal teacher. Right. So she really taught about herbs and, you know, how they're to be used. And just she has such a love and passion for herbs. I think that's, you know, those two lectures probably why my two favourite areas are uh, the, the nutritional supplements and diet and et cetera, and also herbal medicine. So they, those two had a big influence when I first started. Yeah. But probably um, someone that's really had a big impact, and I didn't realise at the time until actually I heard him speak just recently about bringing natural medicine and naturopathy from um, or bringing it more into a scientific um, scientific world and bringing um, science and naturopathy together to validate what we've been talking about for years mm. is Jeffrey Land. Yes. So he's always been a um, uh, someone that's really inspired me, but it's the behind-the-scenes stuff back in the early days when Metagenics first came to Australia. Um, and to be honest, Metagenics were one of my uh, the the people that the um, people in charge at the time that really inspired me with the way the company was, was, was run. Um, a lot of our, or backtracking a little bit, so Jeffrey Bland, Metagenics as a whole, but I was at a seminar early this year and there was a couple of younger pracs just out and sometimes some of the younger pracs, you know, have a, have a bit of a bad attitude towards maybe some of the bigger companies that's been around, that have been around for a while. But I, I had to pull them up a little bit and I said, basically, we wouldn't naturopathy in Australia wouldn't be where it is today if not for companies particularly like Metagenics and people particularly like Jeffrey Bland mm-hmm. and also Kerry Bone who I'll talk about in a little while. But yeah. if these companies, um, Jeffrey Bland, Metagenics hadn't brought to Australia the concepts of you know live blood initially, leaky gut, mm-hmm. um, TL one, TL for two dominance, um, if they didn't bring us the 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 ways of talking about health conditions and how atopia occurs and, you know, all of those early understandings about natural health, um, then I don't think that the profession in Australia would be where it is today. No, I totally agree with you on that. Yeah, I think people sort of forget that, that that's that's what really brought naturopathy into the 20th century or the 21st century is is people like Jeffrey Bland and Metagenics and the training, all the training we've done you guys over the years as well have all really shaped all the practitioners that we're good friends with. And, um, you know, I would say all the practitioners in Australia. Yeah. Um, second person that, that is a real um, um, inspiration for me um, is um, from Australia, Kerry Bone. Yeah. Um, Kerry Bone's work with um, Mediherb initially um, and still working for Mediherb out in Australia and America. Um, Kerry's way of explaining, um, you know, really complex health issues and um, his love and passion to keep herbal medicine alive and really at the forefront of a lot of the way we practice these days as well. Mm. Um, that's really added a lot of value to what we do with patients as well. And I think when you're in practice, you can be a little bit lonely when it's just you seeing patient after patient day after day. And it's just good to know that you've got um, people like Jeffrey Bland and people like Kerry Bone as your backup in some respect. Yes. You know, that these people are well-respected. They have a wealth of wealth of wealth of scientific knowledge that really, you know, adds so much credence to what we do. So um, 
yeah, so long story short, sorry for the, the big chat there, but um, yeah, then Metagenics, Jeffrey Bland and Kerry Bone and Mediherb um, yeah. would be the, the biggest influence and still the biggest influences in my daily practice today, actually. Mm, interesting you should say that because I'd probably pick them up my top, top uh, influences as well, most definitely. Yeah. Um, there's been a lot of change over the last 30 years. Um, what, do, what do you think are some of the bigger changes that we've seen in the last 30 years? Um, probably for me, the biggest change has been in um, quality of health with our patients. Yeah. Um, I just did a, a talkback show on a local radio here an hour or so ago talking about autoimmune conditions and, you know, understanding autoimmune and, and some of the causes, but some of the ways that natural medicine can really make a, have a big impact. And I thought when I first started in practice, even conditions like celiacs was rare. And yeah. I know, you know, they're saying, well, maybe it wasn't reported as much, but just, just seeing how much our health, our patient's health is worth, you know, kids' mm. health, autism, every second person's got autoimmune these days, mm. you know, all these things that just weren't around when I first started in practice. So everything's a bit more complex now from a health point of view. Yeah. Um, I think from a practitioner point of view, we have to know, and it's good to sort of have a niche area like fertility or an area you specialize in, but even in a niche area, we have to know so much more these days about all the potential things that can have an influence on, say, fertility or, say, gut health. You know, gut health, like so many things, was just so much easier to treat 20 years ago. You know, patients just had to cut out gluten or wheat and dairy in those days and you know and get onto a probiotic and they were they were fixed but nowadays we've got cyber and we've got all these complications and patients with chronic gut health that really is so much harder to sort out um so that would be the first thing i've noticed is that health's a lot more complex and as naturopaths if we're not doing ongoing training and not keeping up with the latest and greatest it's really easy to get left behind and you know not be able to keep up with what is changing mm. um, the second thing that I've seen change um, is that I'm seeing a lot of um, naturopaths come out of college and just feel lost, lost with where to start. You know, should they do, do an online program? Should they set up as a practice? Should they get a job in a practice? I think, and we'll talk about this a bit later, but I think um, us experienced or long-term practice need to get more involved or the colleges, we need to form relationships with the colleges so that these students coming out can see some of the different models that are available so that they actually have an idea of how they're going to practice mm. rather than think that they're going to, because there's so much more competition these days with us with online programs and online courses from people that have had no experience dealing one-to-one -one with patients or mm. understanding people or so uh, our industry is, you know, a lot more diverse than probably what it used to be. But um, I think, you know, I feel for these new practices coming out that just are a bit lost and don't know where where to start or what they're supposed to do. So, did you when you when you uh, graduated from college, um, did you have a, a mentorship or did you go? How did you how did you get how did you get going? Well, when I first left college, I. Um, took off around Australia for 12 months with one of my best mates traveling. Yep. And then when I came home, I thought I've spent all this in all this money because in my day, I think my parents paid $16,000 back in 
or 30 years ago for me to go to college for four years because, again, it was all private back then. Um, so I thought, oh, my parents have paid all this money. I better actually start a naturopath. So I did start up for about 12 months on my own and had no idea what I was doing, ordered way too much product. I had that much product that I bought thinking everything was going to be fantastic. Um, so I had no system or procedure, actually. I had no process of how I was going to do it. I just thought, well, at the college clinic, you just people came in and you had a consult with them and you made dietary recommendations and prescribed supplements. Like I had no concept of any bigger plan than that. Yeah. About 12 months in, I was lucky enough to start, there was a, a practice in Newcastle called McKay Biochemics and they were a... Um, a naturopathic practice, they used iridology and they prescribed mineral compounds not dissimilar to the Blackmore celloids. Yeah. And I was lucky enough to start as start working there and I think my, my income then was $400 a week so I thought I was as wealthy as anything. And started there and, and the first two years I was there, um, I was basically under the um, guidance of the other naturopath, the stepson of the original owners of the business and I think I was only sat in with him for six weeks and then I was on my own. But I learned a lot in that first two years about systems and procedures and, you know, things like, you know, making appointments in two weeks and then four weeks, like having um, supplements that like simple things, but things that we still practice to this day. Um, so learning the systems and procedures and after being there two years, um, Dana, who was my girlfriend at the time said, why don't you buy the business? And I thought, I can't afford to buy a business, but we, I think I sold a car. We did a few other things and we managed to scrape enough money together to buy the business and basically have gone on from there. But a lot of those systems and procedures that, that we learned in those early days, we still use in the practice today. So yeah. it wasn't just, you know, it was, it was having a successful business systems and procedures that really has enabled us to be successful to this day. Yeah, and no, look, I, I agree with you on that, and I don't think there's enough of it. When I, my last years of naturopathy, uh, I did naturopathy and then I did acupuncture back to back. And in those last, I believe the last year, two years, I was mentored by an integrated GP here in Brisbane, who was absolutely brilliant. And I used to spend two half days a week. And I'd just sit in in his office through every consultation. And I learned how to do a consultation. I learned how to talk to patients. I learned how to write prescriptions. You know, things that just gave me so much confidence coming out to go straight into then uh, opening you know, my own practice that I would never have had. And I you know, even came out with that. I remember just being so nervous, graduating, thinking, oh, my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And then you know, when I had this mentorship offered to me, it was just perfect. Yeah, look, I think it's invaluable. And, and I think if you can see someone else, you know, having a conversation with patients and patients saying they're feeling so much better and this has changed and that's better, I think it just fast tracks your own development then as well. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think that's critical. I think the whole um, key to my success, I think, is that is doing a really good consultation, doing a fantastic initial consultation and then follow up like that, nailing that consultation procedure active listening, you know, all of those skills that just come naturally after a period of time. I think that um, that's invaluable if you can get that sort of um, that help early on. So I'm a big fan of um, mentoring, having a mentor, 
um, finding out the best practitioner in your area and just going and sitting in with them as you did, you know, half a day a week or two half days a week um, and just learning as much as you can about, not about the supplements and the remedies, but, but how, to, how to relate to people and how to, how to set up decent treatment plans and keep people motivated. And yeah, so I think it's invaluable. One of the, the key reasons that I wanted to have this conversation with you was to really you know, get an understanding of the future, where we see the future going and how practitioners can leave a legacy for the next generation. And that, that acceptance or the willingness to mentor, I think, is foundational. But I did want to point out that for a lot of practitioners that I speak to, they say, just cannot get into a clinic. I cannot get practitioners to accept me in. They won't, they won't let me do any clinic time, any clinic observation time. It really is a massive problem in the industry. Well, look, I think um, that surprises me because we've, we've as, we, as we said, we've been in practice for 30 years and we mm -hmm. regularly have students contact us and it's very rare that we knock a student back. It's only if we've got extra training on or we've got a pretty busy workload. So we've always been very open to having students come and sit in. Mm. Um, what's also surprises me is that over the time we've been in practice, we've never had a college actually contact us or look to form any sort of um, relationship. You know, like in other professions, um, you know, with, in medicine, for instance, there's teaching hospitals where, you know, if you go there, there's going to be students. Like, mm -hmm. I really think part of our legacy moving forward as naturopaths, if we really want to keep this profession strong and growing into the future, and we all know we've got things stacked up against us with, you know, this resistance, reluctance to regist register our profession um, with the government, with the health fund rebates, like... We really need to work hard to make sure that ours is a profession that's going to last long into the future. Then I really think that um, setting up a system of, you know, where practitioners can nominate if they're happy to take on students and the colleges can actually coordinate, you know, a list of practitioners in their area that are happy to take on students. Then I think um, there's great scope for that communication to be much stronger. Yeah, and I agree with you. You were saying when we were talking earlier that you've just set up a relationship with a clinic, uh, sorry, a college just recently? Yeah, look, we've, Dana and I have just been asked to be on the advisory board for one of the colleges in Sydney um, to talk about their um, um, course content. So we're really chuffed with that. Like that's the first relationship that we've had with a college. Mm. Um, so hopefully... Um, we'll be able to sort of talk a bit there about setting up some sort of mentoring relationship or some sort of program for students, mm. you know, once they finish college to really try and fast track how to set up or how to be in successful practices. So, yeah, we're a bit excited about that. That's the first sort of um, relationship we've had with the college. So hopefully that's going to go well. Yeah, congratulations. I really don't want to... Uh sincerely extend my congratulations it's uh, definitely the way of the future and and though you had to reach out to the college though to make that happen right yeah dana had to really that's dana's forte reaching out to the college mm. so um yeah so dana's organized that so um yeah so we're excited to see where that all goes yeah and i think also you know with that it's it's not just uh how to treat patients it's also how to run a business as we mentioned right at the beginning, there's a lot involved in running your own practice. I did it myself before. And yep. just giving practitioners the awareness 
sorry, the students, the awareness of what's involved. We take students through Metagenics. They get to come and do some time here and see what it's like to be on a research side of things, um, yeah. manufacturing side, because it's quite diverse. Not everybody that goes through uh, yeah, that's study naturopathy or nutrition ends up in practice. And I, I see, I think even, even that like is invaluable um, for, for um, new practice coming out as well to realize that there is, there's a, a much more, and that's the other thing in my day when I came out, basically the only job you had or could do was to actually be a naturopath. Um, and even then it was, was limited to where you could set up as a naturopath. Like a lot of people ended up setting up from home and all sorts of things. But this day and age, there's so many more job, job opportunities for naturopaths coming out, whether they want to work, you know, in the, for one of the companies like yourselves or, or um, Integria or one of the other big companies um, and learn that side of things. Or as you said, where they go more into research and development. So, yeah, there's a lot more scope actually for naturopaths. So that is something else that's changed this day and age as well. But I'm not sure that that's always put across to these students coming out, the wide range of... Um, jobs that actually are available to them as well to think about. Well, you'll, you'll be able to give them a bit of insight into that when, you, when you're in the colleges. Um, so also that sort of leads me to thinking about, okay, what career options were available when I graduated, which was also nearly three decades ago myself. Um, and you could become a full-time practitioner, but for the most part, it was seen as a bit of a struggle. Some people worked at home. Some people got into pharmacy and worked in pharmacy there. But a lot of practitioners back in the day when, well, when you and I went through, I don't know about your particular college, I was here in Brisbane and on the Gold Coast, but a lot of them went into it as a, a, you know, a second career. They went into it just to fill in the gap and a bit of self-learning and they were only ever going to practice two or three days a week at the most, uh, usually from home. And so you've, you know, one of those practitioners that set the pace and set the tone for the industry, I really believe, uh, in, yeah, look, you know, we can have a viable full-time practice and take holidays every year and, and have a really great lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was just always a given for us from the start that this was our job, this was our profession, and this is what, what we did. I never thought of it as a part-time job no. that I do working somewhere else. And if I think about um, some of the other practices that we've got, um, our good friends in the industry, that we've all been in the industry for a similar um, length of time, like Val Allen over in Perth. Mm -hmm. She's been a full-time practitioner right from the start. Yeah. Um, Rob. Robin Rose Claridge down in um, Melbourne, um, Carla Linkeroff from Toowoomba, mm -hmm. um, Angela Smith, like all of these guys see naturopathy as their full-time professional job. Mm -hmm. and, you know, all of us have um, done really well out of having it as our full-time job. So I think, um, yeah, I think like what we were saying before, I think that if the students coming out or even these, even naturopaths that, you know, maybe are struggling a little bit and want a bit more confidence of what's available. I reckon it's worthwhile reaching out to, to you and reaching out to some of us practice that have been around for a long time and just opening up a bit of a dialogue or a discussion around, you know, some suggestions or ideas. There's such a, a big, big um, area that we could be more supportive of each other, not just, not just the students, but even practice that have been around for a while and doing well, but, you know, maybe want to pop up to that next level. I think, um, Yes, for us, it was always going to be our full-time 
full-time job. Yeah, which is which has definitely done you well. Um, you uh, had a fabulous holiday just recently, I believe. Africa? Yeah, it was, it was somewhere that I've always wanted to go to since I was a kid. And, um, yeah, for me, I, 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 it was a real um, tick off my list of jobs not jobs, but things that I wanted to do. So was, we just had a fantastic time. I took, or Dana and I went and we took our two kids. So it was a wonderful, wonderful adventure for all of us. Yeah, tell me it's not your bucket list, Pete. <laughs> no, I, I don't like to use the bucket list. Bucket list to Good. me sounds like on your way out. It's just one among many, Angela. Of wonderful Good. Good, good. I'm pleased to hear that. The reason I wanted to bring that up is that it's not unusual to hear of practitioners who haven't had a holiday in two years, you know, that just haven't been able to manage systems in place to be able to leave their clinic closed for, you know, two weeks or four weeks yeah. or yeah. to be able to get a locum in or uh, haven't had the funding to actually do it. So it's great to hear that you can go to one on a regular basis. Yeah, I think that's something we did because when we first started, our kids were just little we've just been born so for us having holidays was was something we just factored into our costs for the year we yeah. always took two weeks at easter two weeks in september october and two weeks at christmas and we just shut the clinic in those days and um we just worked around it yeah. but i think the benefit of having the holidays then again eventually you've got staff that will cover some of your costs but i mean we still have holidays and we'll lose money while while i'm away mm -hmm. but it's picture of the year it just factors itself out so i think you know for me having holidays was a critical thing for us the whole way through so you know i'd highly recommend organizing yourself that you can have a regular break yeah and i think that at the part the wording there that they're critical i used to think that the four weeks the preliminary four weeks that everybody seems to get um, in australia is not enough in our industry because we're constantly giving and we yeah. really, particularly if you run your own business, you know, it's just constant output and you really need, as Stephen Covey says, in his seven habits of highly effective people, the seventh habit is sharpening the saw. So, you know, having that downtime and refresh time so that you can be your best for your patients is truly a requirement. Yeah, definitely. I'd say that's, that's, absolutely up there in the top top 10 things you must do mm. so what does it mean then from your perspective peter to have a practice or to practice as a full-time practitioner um what does it mean yeah so to practice as a full-time practitioner too what is what does that look like on a weekly basis what sort of hours are you doing what sort of numbers of patients might you be seeing um, how do you how do you yeah. balance that? So I work um, Mondays to Fridays, and this year we've started with me having every second Friday off. Mm -hmm. uh, so I work um, Mondays, Tuesdays, um, three quarters of a day Wednesday, and then Thursday we work through till about seven o'clock. So four, three and a half to four full days, yeah. and then every second. I work in the morning yeah. um, and then we go to Singleton once every four weeks on a Saturday as well. Oh, I didn't um, know you did that. Yeah, I've been doing that for 25 years or 26 years yeah, every four weeks. Hmm. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's the hours and I see roughly 50 patients a week. 
Yeah. Um, now, um, when I first started, I think I was seeing about 100 to 120 patients a week back in the day. Mm. Um, doing much bigger hours back then as well when it was just myself. That was a while back, a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but we've sort of just found that rhythm now with, um, you know, one of the things that's, that's worked well for us is the way we run our appointment book. So um, we've calculated how many new patients all of our pracs need to see weekly to keep building their base of clients, good long-term clients. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'll go through periods where my books are closed for a period of time because I'm just too overloaded and then we'll open the books back up and then we'll close the books again. So we sort of, you know, we keep, we keep fairly busy, but um, again, it's those systems and procedures in place that help us to keep, um, you know, ticking along so steadily. Mm. And do you, do you happen to remember what the figures are for the minimum number of new patients you need to see a week in order to continue to grow? I mean, back when I was in practice, I remember that it was three new patients a week minimum in order to get any, any growth or stability. Well, I reckon if you're, if you're looking at a full-time load, um, and a full-time load these days probably, from what I'm seeing, is about four, four and a half days a week. Yep. Um, you need to be seeing a minimum of seven, seven news a week. Okay, that's great. That's really good to get updated to on that. To build your base, seven to eight, actually. And um, obviously, the more news you see, the quicker you'll build that base. But you, what you want to do in practice is, is seeing patients once or twice. You're not going to get anyone better. So yeah. you really... What we've already had the model of that we want our patients to be patients for life. You know, we want it to be that if you're at a dinner party, you know, you might say to the person sitting next to you, who's your family's naturopath? So we, our idea is that naturopathy becomes such the norm that everybody has a naturopath that they see. So we, we'd like our patients when they come to come for a period of time until they're well. And then that, you know, refer their family and friends in and then that in five years time if they get off track again they'll come back and see us so we talk about this concept of building your base so you're building a base of um, good quality clients that will continue to see you regularly refer people in and to do that you've got to it's bums on seats a bit you've got to see a lot of new people to get enough good quality clients that are really then going to build your base and give you a good business to roll on from Mm, okay, that's really good. Um, a good observation, actually. So I'm really conscious that you do have uh, patients coming in shortly. And so if, is there anything else that you wanted to, to comment on or anything else you wanted to bring up while you're thinking at all? Um, look, I think the, the, uh, I really appreciate you um, asking me to do this podcast. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> and um, I think, as I said, like we're, we're good friends with quite a lot of other practitioners that have very similar sized businesses to us, some bigger. Um, so I think there's a lot of resource in the industry there for, you know, things like this podcast and a way of getting this information out. Um, my big tip is that if you're in practice, whether you're just a student coming out or whether you've been in practice for a period of time, um, Dana and I have always had a business coach or a mentor to work with. You know, we've never gone too long without, um, finding a new business coach or mentor and that apart from helping to give us new ideas and keep us a bit focused and on track um, it's really good having someone just to celebrate your wins with as well so if you want to have a really good business 
um, get some help and some motivation um, from either a mentor or a business coach. Um, so so pleased you said that, Peter. Actually, I was going to going to ask what your big bit of advice is, and that's that's brilliant advice and. Uh... Music to my ears since I've just started uh, my own coaching business. Well, thank you so much for today. I really appreciate your time. I know that you are busy and it is, it is uh, time out that you could be putting your feet up and sharpening your own saw. But uh, this is, I really appreciate it. No, my, my pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Angela. Thanks, Pete. Thank you for listening to the Metagenics Best Practice Podcast. Find us on iTunes and leave a review. Join our practitioner-only Metagenics Facebook group to be informed of new podcast releases, keep up to date with key industry updates and more. Visit metagenics.com.au to find useful links and resources relating to this podcast and sign up to our e-newsletter.